Hi, this is Dr. Tony Cooper, and this is Life Without Baggage, Insights into Personal Wholeness for Spirit, Soul, and Body. I'm a psychologist in private practice. I treat adults. However, this is not a substitute for medication or counseling. If you're having thoughts of harming yourself or another person, or if this material triggers you, please contact your doctor or a mental health specialist to help you with your concerns. So I'm continuing in the series on the kingdom of God, and today our focus is going to be on the power and the role of testimony in the kingdom of God and in our Christian lives. So I'm going to give you just a little bit of information on testimony, what it means and what it what it does, and then I'm going to interview a guest who's going to share what I think is a pretty remarkable testimony of what God can do no matter how long you've been a Christian. He's doing new things. We've been talking about that in the last few podcasts. So first I'm going to read to you Revelation 12:11. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 10 and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Then I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, Now salvation and power are set in place, and the kingdom reign of our God, and the ruling authority of his anointed one are established. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who relentlessly accused them day and night before our God, has now been defeated, cast out once for all. Here's the the important part I want you to hear. They conquered him completely through the blood of the Lamb, and the powerful word of his testimony. So we see that part of living a victorious life in the kingdom of God is recognizing the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, who opens the gate for us to be born into the kingdom. And then the word of our testimony is part of how we keep advancing. So what does testimony mean? I looked it up in Vine's Expository Dictionary of the New Testament. And testimony means it's the truth of the gospel, which is objective, and then the power of truth, which is our personal experience about the power of God. And what this does for us is it builds our faith when we hear about someone's testimony of what God did in their lives, the power of God acting in their lives. It gives us encouragement in the things that we're struggling with. And Revelation 19.10, again from the Passion Translation, says, Worship God. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I've heard that explained as when we give testimony of what God is doing and the power of God's involvement in our lives, that we actually are opening the door for more miracles to come into our lives and the lives of other people. And I want to share one other verse with you, Colossians 3.16, that again shows us the, the role of our words and our testimony. Okay, this is the Passion Translation again. Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the Psalms and with festive praises And with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit, so sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. 
So I see testimony again as encouragement to the body, as a way to draw other people into the kingdom, as worship to the Lord and thankfulness. And again, as we recognize God's power, we're in essence inviting him to do it again. So before I introduce my guest, I do want to review our definition of kingdom. And this is from Dr. Miles Monroe. A kingdom is a territory ruled by a king who influences and impacts the domain of his kingdom personally with his purpose and intentions, his values, his morality, his laws and principles, producing citizens who reflect the nature of the king in lifestyle, attitudes, dispositions and reactions so that the full expression of the king's nature, his glory, his love and wisdom is fully alive, body, soul and spirit. So I invited David Miller to explain a little bit about an experience and some transformation that God has been doing in his life as a citizen of the kingdom. And it's pretty remarkable. David, welcome. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be here. So I know David, I've known David for a number of years through church and through ballroom dancing. And recently he's retired from the world of finance. And I've learned some things about him that I thought were really relevant to the podcast and to the topic of the kingdom of God. So David, would you tell the listeners how you came to know the Lord and what you were like before you knew him? Certainly. I was 16 years old, just a couple months shy of turning 17, and uh, had a lot of guilt in my sh- and shame in my life, feeling that I wasn't as I ought to be. And it turns out my brother's church was having a revival meeting during uh, a week in the fall, and they invited me, he and my sister-in-law. So on the second night of the revival, I went forward and accepted Christ as my Savior. So what kinds of things changed in you when you made your decision for the Lord? Well, the first thing that uh, I experienced was forgiveness, the very thing that I was hoping to feel, and uh, a sense of peace that there was hope in the world after all. And my, my eyes were open to the realm of Jesus Christ. And by that I mean scriptures and prayer and the church, things that I had not experienced before in my life. This was an entirely new world of opportunity to me. So what kind of things didn't change miraculously when you became a Christian? Well, I found out that I was still capable of sinning mm-hmm. and continued to do so after I became a Christian. And of course, as we know, that's not necessarily unusual at all. Well, I'm sure it slowed down. Well, (laughs) let's hope. (laughs) But um, some other things that did not change were some impacts of my childhood that uh, would go on to impact me greatly the rest of my life. Those things were not immediately taken away from me when I became a Christian. Well, what was your Christian life like after you became an adult and you were trying to follow the Lord and you still had these issues that were unresolved from growing up? Well, as soon as I became a Christian, I was granted, thank goodness, an insatiable desire to read and study the scriptures and to even memorize them. I would take notes at every sermon in the church. I made, uh, I wrote down index cards of verses I wanted to memorize and kept them on my desk at home and I would review them. So I spent a lot of time in the first years studying, gaining information that I had not had 
prior to being a Christian. So you had a hunger to know God's word. I, I did, fortunately, because that became a significant foundation for the rest of my life, even though I didn't realize it would be at the time. How did it help you to know God's word? It uh, became, especially since I love to memorize verses, it became an instantaneous resource in my head whenever I wanted to address a particular issue that was impacting my life. I didn't necessarily have to go rifling through my Bible hunting for a solution. I was in many cases able to draw upon one or two verses that would pop into my head and, and then go from there. I know a lot of people use those charts. If you feel this, look up this passage, but you had God's word in your heart. So he was able to just draw it out as you needed it. Exactly. And as we know, sometimes verses don't impact us a whole lot at a particular time, but then later when we do need it, all of a sudden it's lit up in our hearts and then it becomes valuable to us. So do you mind explaining a little bit about how childhood issues affected your Christian life or your life as an adult without going into more detail than you're comfortable with? Well, there was definitely a lot of fears in my life. I grew up in a home that was very neglectful of us as children and uh, rejection was a common experience. And so as I grew up, I had a high sensitivity to rejection and would get very upset, very angry if I ever sensed any rejection whatsoever from friends or family or anyone for that matter. Did you try to like straighten that out as a Christian? What did you try to do for yourself? I tried to use what I would call our self-help techniques to try to come to a solution. Reading books, reading articles, ciphering in my head as I call it, trying to come up with some kind of solution as to how to fix this. I thought it, it can't be rocket science. There has to be other people in the world who experience these kind of things. There has to be some way that I can figure this out. Yeah. And spent many, many hours, weeks, months, if not years, looking for solutions to those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people do turn to the self-help books and those are good. I've written a few myself, but sometimes it just doesn't quite get to the root of whatever the person is wrestling with. That's, that's true. Another thing that I wrestled with uh, as a result of growing up in the home that I grew up in was what I would call was a low concern for other people. I was brought up in a family where we were taught that you were pretty much on your own. Nobody else is going to give you any help you have to take care of yourself. So when I became a Christian and developed this insatiable desire for scriptures, that's exactly what I did was I searched the scriptures for things that might help me. And so uh, all my thoughts and intents were on finding solutions in God's word that would help me adjust to the repercussions of what was inflicted upon me as a child. Mm -hmm. So how much progress did you make? Very little. <laughs> Sometimes I would come up with a, what I thought was the ultimate magic bullet solution and was just sure that if I could implement it, that my life would be transformed. But for some reason, two or three days later, all those tips would escape my mind and I would go back to where I was before and just continue my search for something else that would be a magic bullet. So that must have been pretty frustrating. Extremely frustrating, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, becoming a Christian doesn't fix everything, does it? No. 
And so my impression was that over many years, you continued to pray and struggle with different aspects of how to connect with other people. Is that right? That's true. And so about a year and a half ago, two years ago in that area, what were the soul issues that you were still bringing before God and praying over? The main one was the thought and the feeling that I would never, ever, ever get over the ill effects of what happened as a child. That I would carry these to my grave and would live a life that was less than fulfilling, not only to me, but uh, less fulfilling or glorious to God. And uh, that was a heavy burden on my soul. Some other things that I realized or that I was praying about was I, I realized that I could not change myself. As much as I tried, as much as I studied, as much as I looked, I could not fix myself, so to speak. And that was a real burden to me. And in fact, it got to the point that I thought that I was just so far gone that even God couldn't help me, that I was just a lost cause would have to live out the rest of my days until the end, and then it would all get cleaned up later. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you, what did you do with your time since you felt so frustrated in your relationships with people? Obviously continued to study and search for solutions, but also to withdraw from people because they were a pain point. I, I either did not know how to relate to them, they did not know how to relate to me, some combination of the above. And so you spent a lot of time studying, reading, praying, things of that nature, but then you also turn to what I call our escape activities, like hobbies and, uh, and anything to occupy your time and your mind. Do you mind saying what your escape activities were? I was into woodworking, photography, motorcycles, anything that gave me a sense of being alive, mm -hmm. so to speak, or something that felt creative. So nothing evil, but it was still an escape. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happened that changed? I finally came to the realization when I was addressing the final soul issue, and that is that I felt like I was spending all my time focusing my thoughts inward on myself, not on God, not on other people. I was constantly, continuously studying and thinking about myself. And I knew as a Christian that could not be right. So I finally got to the place where I just wrapped up all these concerns in a, a box, if you will, and laid them at the feet of the cross and said, Lord, I cannot fix myself. I don't know what to do. And I, I copied a prayer of King David in Psalms 51, where he said, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And we can start with there. So that's what I did. You told me too that you kind of changed your mind about how to do relationships. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Well, I think the what God did for me was he changed my heart, number one, and as a result of that, he changed my perspective on other people, not only what they had done in the past, but also what they are doing in, in the present. And when you don't view what they're doing in a fearful manner, you can instead view them in a loving manner and therefore exercise or uh, exhibit love to them rather than fearing something that might happen as a result of relating to them. So God helped you get outside of yourself. Exactly. So David, what has God done in your life in the last two years? 
I think the most important thing he has done is he has broken the chains that were binding me to the negative impacts of my baggage from the past. He's granted me new perspective on those events, whereas before I thought that I would never change or recover. Now I feel like God has free reign to do whatever he wants to in my life, and that I'm not constrained by these chains. And it's interesting that most of the damage that happened, happened as a child. And so as a child, I responded way back then as a child would. But I learned as I grew older that when a triggering event happened that brought me back to those events as a child or the fears related to them, I still continue to respond as a child would. And as you know, as you grow up and become an adult, childlike responses are the not the best way to, <laughs> to respond. To win to these, friends and influence that, people. That's right, that's right. And through this transformation process, it's as if God has taught me how to respond to these events as an adult would and to recognize that the events are indeed in the past and that they have to have no control over me in the present and I can learn from them and have different perspectives about people and move on. What have you learned about transformation? That it's not something you can do yourself. Transformation is something that God does in us. Self-help techniques, a list of to-dos and not to-dos is not the solution. The solution is simply to come to Christ, let him work on our hearts, let him work on our faith, and let him do the transforming work. So how have you changed how you read the Bible since you've gone through this transformation? I look at it more as a way of God revealing my heart to me as opposed to a to-do list of solutions. In other words, the Bible constantly directs me back to Christ, who is the source of everything that we need in life. So I don't view it so much as a toolbox of hoping I can find the right tool to help me fix my current problem, but rather as the Word of God that keeps directing me back to Christ. Yeah, so it's more relational in how you right. how you mm-hmm. read. What suggestions would you make to the listener about how to access more of God's power for personal change and growth? I think the critical element is to, as I call it, start with the heart. Pray as, as David did when he said, uh, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. David realized that he could not change his own heart. He, asked, he had to ask God to do that for him. David realized it was not a matter of just changing his behaviors. He needed to have his heart changed because we all know that out of the heart comes our behaviors. Yeah. Also, and you know, I've already said we need to realize that transformation is not something we do, but something that God does. But it's also critical to understand that transformation is just not merely an overhaul or a fixing up of ourselves. Transformation is a work whereby the image of Christ becomes evident in in us and Christ lives through us by means of his Holy Spirit that dwells within us. You may have There's a a verse in Galatians 2.20 that's critical in this area, and it says that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So we're not trying to fix ourselves up to live a better life. 
We're just trying to surrender so that God himself through Christ can live through us. And you may have heard of a devotional written by Oswald Chambers entitled, My Utmost for His Highest. And he has a beautiful sentence in that devotional that reads like this. God's life in us expresses itself as God's life, not as human life trying to be godly. That sounds like Dr. Monroe's definition, that God desires that the expression of his nature, his glory, his love, his wisdom, become fully alive in us. And like you said, if we die to self, we still have our personality, but it's it's quickened by the Holy Spirit, and, and it's the best expression of us. So um, anything else you want to say, David? That for the Christian, eternity has already started for us. So often we feel like we have to wait until death, until everything gets cleaned up in the wash, and then we'll be as we ought to be. But God can transform us right now. Uh, You know, we'll never be fully formed in the image of Christ before death, but we can certainly experience some transformation while we're still here. Well, thank you for sharing your testimony of what God has been doing in you. Even after you'd been a Christian many years, he started a new work in you. And I just want to remind people that, you know, God has his own timetable to address things. It's not always the same timetable that we would like for him to follow. But as we continue to be humble and yield to him, then we just don't know what's next in the adventure of living in the kingdom. So thank you, David, for sharing about what God's been doing in your life. And I just want to pray for the listener. So Lord, I just pray that you would apply whatever from this testimony the listener needs to grow in their faith, to grow in their confidence, and to continue to trust you to do new things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Dr. Tony Cooper. My guest has been David Miller, and thanks for listening.